Welcome to Stories in the Cemetery, the podcast that discusses all things paranormal based on real experiences of paranormal investigations that I conduct and the tools that I use. We'll talk about scientific methods, along with some haunted histories around Charleston, South Carolina, and any other location that my paranormal investigator heart decides it wants to visit. I am your host, Nicholas McGurr, an author of fiction books about the afterlife. It is my passion and genuine interest that wants to bring you the truth about haunted locations. I am also a tour guide that takes you ghost hunting in Charleston, South Carolina, and shows you methods that work effectively. To learn more about my fiction work, tours I lead through downtown Charleston, or my own investigations, visit storiesinthecemetery.com. Let's start today's story in the cemetery. Hey guys, welcome back to Stories in the Cemetery. So I know it's been well over a year since I've posted an episode, but things have been going really well for the tours. I I can't tell you how excited I am that I get to take people ghost hunting pretty much every single night of the week. So tours have been going really well. If you've been on one of the tours, um, I know you've listened to a lot of the previous episodes, but this episode is gonna be a little different because I have with me Amy Smart, our new co-host for the podcast. And yes, I always listen to all of the reviews that I get for the podcast, reviews that I get for the tours. And one of the major complaints is that I talk really, really fast. So I've invited good friend of of Stories in a Cemetery, Amy Smart, to be the co-host because she is a Southern woman and she brings a lot of great insight. We get along really well. I think you guys are going to absolutely love her. And I cannot wait to introduce her to you. So, Amy, why don't you just tell us who you are and why you're so involved with the paranormal? Hey, y'all. My name is Amy. I actually met Nick on one of his tours because as a paranormal investigator myself, I wanted to see what he had to offer and if he did anything different than what I do. And uh, maybe we could share some things back and forth. And it all worked out because here I am. So, a little about me. I am originally from Tennessee. I grew up, although, in the upstate of South Carolina for majority of my years. And then I've just slowly migrated down here. And I've been down here a couple of years now. Uh, Since I've been here, I have joined a paranormal team that represents the whole state. We are called South Carolina Paranormal Research and Investigation, SCPRAI for short. What we do is we go into clients' homes. They think they may have some activity, they look us up, they book it, and we go out and investigate individual clients' homes. Review our evidence, then we do reports, give it back to our team lead, in which they do a final report to give back to the client. And it helps them to know if they actually do have something going on or if it's just natural things, bad wiring, uh, bad plumbing. Uh, We try to debunk everything first before we just straight up say paranormal. So folks, you can see already why Amy and I get along so well. It's because we have a lot of the same type of methods. So even though we're learning back and forth from each other, if you've been on one of the tours, you know I always debunk things first. And not to mention this business, I guess if you even want to call the paranormal a business, Maybe. Um, it's it's all about learning new things. So, I mean, I just did an investigation in Florida and learned a few new methods from some folks down there. And me and Amy are always picking each other's brains via text or Facebook chat of, hey, how did this go for you? Did you try this method? So you guys can obviously see where I really wanted to invite Amy onto the show. Not to mention, 
she slows me down as far as me talking too fast. We'll see. <laughs> so again, you know, she took the tours. That's how we met. Very excited to have you on the show, Amy. So Thank you. I Thank can't... you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. It's my first podcast. I was a little nervous coming in, but I actually am feeling really comfortable right now. And, and I'm glad because you and I are going to have some really cool conversations. Folks, this particular, I guess, format that we're going to be going into is going to be changed from what you've normally seen from Stories in a Cemetery in the past. First off, we'll be doing a once a month episode. For that reason, it's allowing us to actually go through the data and the research for these places that either Amy or I or both of us together have investigated and actually provide you back correct information. It's also going to go into the data and the evidence that we've collected from those locations. So I think we have some things planned up over the next year already, like we've been chatting quite a bit. But with that said, once a month, very limited commercialization as you guys have seen me do in the past. But the format will be basically Amy and I having conversations back and forth, first about the history, a little bit of a commercial break, and then we're going to go into the data and kind of discuss it based on things that she and I both have experienced, either separated or together. So I hope you're going to love this new format. Obviously, things are going to be changing for Stories in a Cemetery. And with this particular episode, not just an intro to Amy, but there was also uh, an investigation that I did in Florida with Hillbilly Horror Stories. And before that, I was interviewed by Jerry, their host, back in March. So if you missed that episode, it's going to be at the end after our little intro to Miss Amy Smart here. And, and we'll kind of take things from there. So, Amy, what else would you like the folks to know before we break into the Hillbilly Horror Stories? I love what I do. I love the, the people interaction. And I am a people person. And uh, new people, old people, it doesn't matter. I, no, I just people. love being around. Dead, <laughs> yes, dead people. Love dead people. I wish more dead people would come to me instead of me having to go to them. But that'll be for another day. Exactly. So, of course... I can't wait to see what we're actually going to come up with. Our next episode, it's folks. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, unfortunately, our first few episodes together, probably the first four or five you know, monthly episodes, are going to be different investigations that she and I have already been through. Um, so until next summer, where the hopes are that we're going to be either proving or debunking a round robin of all of the haunted hotels right here whoop, in charleston whoop. i cannot wait so super uh, excited about that myself because i have always had a drawing to stay in haunted hotels i've never actually been able to do that not because i don't want to or not because i don't have anybody to do it with me i've just never done it so nick is not only bringing me on to help him he's helping me because he's helping me do things that i've never done and I am so excited to start a new adventure. Yeah, this is gonna be pretty awesome. And folks, you already know the birds are in the background. I promise the birds will not be in the background. <laughs> this is kind of me and Amy getting our feet wet on the mic together. I don't know, um, the birds are kind of, I don't know, they add to it a little bit. Yeah, they might. It might be annoying later. We'll Maybe find so. out. <laughs> but anyway, so guys, Claudia and Louie will not be in the background um, you know, for further episodes. But for this week, thank you for tuning in and enjoy this interview I had with Jerry Polly on the Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast where he gets to interview me 
um, about what the tours are like, the ghost hunting experiences that I do in downtown Charleston. So if you haven't been on a tour, this is kind of be this will be brand new for you. Uh, but if you already have, it's kind of re a refresher. So when you come back to Charleston, you know who to call first. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening, and let's welcome Amy. Thank you again for being on. Thank you for having me. And we'll be back in just a few weeks for our very first full-length episode. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, if you've been on one of my interactive ghost hunting experiences in downtown Charleston, you have probably already used one of Ghost Stop's amazing products. Ghost Stop is a one-stop shop for ghost hunting equipment, and I use their custom-made equipment daily. Their S-Box Ghost Scanner is my favorite spirit box. This spirit box allows you to record your entire session without any outside noise, even when the volume is on mute. This allows you to visit haunted locations that might be open to the public without having to interrupt your investigation. It has a great speaker, so there's no attachments, and even has a built-in flashlight for those dark haunted locations. Ghost Stop carries all types of ghost hunting equipment, like EMF meters, laser grids, melmeters, and more. Ghost Stop is the home for the eddy meter you see featured on shows like Ghost Hunters with Grant Wilson. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link or head over to storiesinacemetery.com to find my affiliate link with Ghost Stop. You'll not only be able to find beginner's kits and the perfect ghost hunting tool for your next ghost hunt, but you'll also be helping out the Stories in a Cemetery podcast. Head over to storiesinacemetery.com for more information. Hey guys, I'm excited to have Nick McGurr on the, on the podcast here. Obviously, you get to see a little video. I like doing these videos. And uh, when it comes to doing things like this one, I get excited because we're going to talk about ghost tours. And, you know, Tracy and I are going to be going to St. Augustine in October, September, I guess, really. And we're going to stop on the way to Charleston. And... You know, I was talking to Nick. He he had written us a message uh, a little while back and said he was interested in coming on the show. And I was excited about that because he runs a, a, a ghost tourist company in Charleston. So who better to have on the show to tell us about some of the haunted locations down there than somebody who runs a tour. So thanks for coming on, Nick. Yeah, man. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to get into this. This is going to be a, a lot of fun. So um I mean, my name is Nick, as Jerry said, and I own a company called Stories in the Cemetery, and and that's pretty much my whole brand. And, and the gist of what my tours are is it's not just storytelling on a street corner, you know, as some of, you know, some of the most of the tours are in all of your haunted cities like St. Augustine and New Orleans. Uh, I, I give out tools, you know, and we really get into you know, some of the deeper histories of some odd locations. It's, it's not all of your sightseeing locations around Charleston, which is what makes this such a unique, you know, thing to do, which is why I reached out to you, because uh, I knew you were going to be heading to St. Augustine, and uh, my wife and I are actually uh, planning to see if we can make it down to the, the Lighthouse uh, investigation that you guys are going to be hosting down there. So I'm pretty excited for that, because I've never been there. Um, but yeah. You know, that, that's basically the gist of what Stories in the Cemetery is about. It's about getting, you know, tools in front of people and showing them that, you know, the television shows make this a, a much scarier thing than it actually has to be. So I just uh, found out today that we're down to 11 tickets left for the Lighthouse Investigation. Oh, I better Chase. jump on that then. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I like about it. Like I said, you give out equipment. Uh, 
for people to use as you're going out? Do you typically have enough equipment for everybody or is it kind of scattered and, hey, you two or three get around and share this device? How does it typically work? I know that, that equipment can be expensive. Yeah, it's, it is expensive. Um, but what, what I'll tell you that's different is because, you know, I own the tour. I'm the only guide. Um, Charleston allows us to go up to 20 people on, a, on any kind of tour. So what I've done for my groups to make it a much more personal tour and A, so that there's not such a limit on devices, is that it's a max of 10 people. So I'm literally interacting with every single person based on what tool or device that they have. Uh, the other thing is, is most people that, you know, obviously your listeners know, these devices record stuff. So what's cool is the next morning, I go through all of the data, compile it, and I put it up on my website and send the link over to the people from that specific tour. So it's kind of like they have to keep going through the data. Now the TV shows, they always show the next morning where they you know, go through the data and they find extra things. And that's exactly what I'm doing here. There are other tours that kind of give tools and devices and little K2 meters, EMFs, uh, but none of that stuff records, nor are they giving all of the data back with a, with a quick analysis of what they find. Uh, my guess, if I have a full group, they'll record anywhere between seven to nine hours worth of data. So they're gonna get all of that back, which is really what makes this a unique thing. How do you feel about the equipment that are like the apps, the ghost apps on the phone and all that? I mean, do you feel like any of those things are anything more than just a gimmick? Or do you feel like that some, because I, I know we've got uh, a Spirit Box app on the phone. I don't know how accurate it is. It sounds pretty close to what a, a typical Spirit Box would be. Uh, but so, what's your thoughts? I, I actually, I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 on this one. So I actually use some apps on the tours. And one of those apps um, actually gives us a word in the center of the screen and then compiles it into a list. And exactly what I tell my guests every single night is that 80% of what comes up on this list or more is going to be BS. It's not going to mean anything. The app is meant to be a game and a hoax and meant to throw those, you know, don't hurt me and pain and, and terror <laughs> kind of stuff in there. Um, but when I get specific terms, that, for example, last night uh, on, on my ghost hunt, I was talking about a specific duel, and one of the duelers' last name showed up while I was telling the story. That's pretty specific. Yes. At a specific time, you know what I mean? So it's one of those, it's, it's, I can definitely give you the link to show you where the story is and why it's true, um, and that's the things that I do, is I give you the backlinks to show you this is why that word is relevant. So last night, I didn't have many terms that came out of that particular spirit box, um, but there's other nights where I have 15 to 25 terms that I have to give backlinks to because they're specific. Um, and it's ages or years or uh, a specific battle that shows up. I, I've had things come up that I didn't even know about until I had to research it the next morning. Um, so the apps, there, there's a little bit of truth there. And my, my mentality behind that is because I do give you know, all electronic devices out. There's no dowsing rods, no Ouija boards or anything like that. I mean, we're on a walking tour. Um, right. So I want data. I don't want somebody dowsing rods and, and all of a sudden the, the rods start moving and they're like, look, they're all moving around. Um, you know, it's that's not what I'm after. I want the data. I don't claim to be a psychic or medium. So it's the raw data that makes sense to me. So with those, those apps, there's a couple of them that I use um, that, you know, one I just spoke about but I also use a reverse spirit box app. And those are interesting because when something comes through in forward motion, you can hear literal words out of gibberish. 
and when they make sense to the location or the story that I'm telling, it's it's exciting. It, it truly is. And as far as the EMF meters that are on, you know, cell phone apps, I don't know how they work, but they do. They're just not as sensitive as say a K2 meter. So yeah, there, there's some legitimacy there. And you know, it's it's fun to play with, and it's fun to see when those words come through, and you know where the background is coming from. So yeah, there's there's a little bit there. It just depends on your location. How many different tour groups are there in Charleston and how long have you been doing it? I couldn't tell you how many tour groups are in Charleston. Um, to be honest with you, I would say as far as ghost tours, I would venture to say between 25 and 30. Wow. Um, and most of these guys, they've been doing this for 20, 30 years, you know, and they, they change up their, their tours from time to time. Um, there's some obviously pretty large companies that we have here in town. And then there's private guys like me. Um, but I've actually only been doing tours for about two years. Um, so I just wanted to really get into, um, you know, storytelling on a verbal sense, since I am a writer and author. And, and this was, you know, the way to do it where I can actually uh, have my specific, you know, niche where I could take a piece of Charleston and show somebody the flip side and maybe some stories that they haven't heard yet. I get a lot of locals that are like, oh, wow, this is cool. I, didn't, I never knew this story or knew this is where this happened. So it's, it's that was, you know, I was really afterwards getting something different out there. We did. You did mention the fact that you're an author, and uh, I want to get to that closer to the end of the interview, so we can rem tell people how to get your books and it to be fresh in their mind. How many locations would you say typically you go to on a night of your tour, and does that ever change up? Is it if I came to your tour today and then I came back six months from now, would it be basically the same tour, same places, or do you change it up a little bit? So recently, about six months ago, um, I did change it up. Um, just because I learned of some new stories and it was actually a subject I wasn't interested in at all. Um, but pirates here in Charleston are kind of a dominant thing. Yeah. And I, I really wanted to add something, A, just for my, my, my guests that come on, um, you know, because they all want to hear a pirate story because we are on water. And I kind of changed it up a little bit and added some new locations. And I did add a, um, like a quick little legends and lore um like quick 15 minutes like here here's a few stories so if something pops up out of our spirit boxes during the recordings or the, the thermal imaging camera you know great i was like but they are legends and lore do i have evidence of them sure i do but again am i expecting anything not so much so i do get like as of the past six months i have been getting some repeat customers um you know but the cool thing is is i can't fake the data so even somebody that's taken the tour i, I had one guest take the tour three times in three months and literally every tour he did, because I, I went back and looked at his data, it was different every time. Normally there's a theme. So if there's a theme and I'll have one specific spirit that just wants to keep you know talking to us and he'll come to different boxes and all of that ties to one story, um, I usually you know will point that out to the in the data analysis that, hey, there was kind of a theme here um, of say Big John Kennedy, who was a football player. So his teammates wanted to come through. I got these jersey numbers and these names, and they match up. We're talking about a football player from 1947. Again, I can't make this stuff up. So are there going to be different locations in the future? I hope so. Um, and there's tons of them for me to keep going to. Tell me about one of those stops that you make uh, that you know fairly well, obviously. Uh, give, me, give me an idea about one of those stops and tell me a little bit of the background and what the history is of that place. So I would tell you – this is one of the reasons why I don't want to change the tour so much because it is so far out of the way of all of the typical sightseeing and those kind of things. Uh, but it's the Eliza and Charles Pinckney Mansion site. 
Um, and that's on East Bay Street. So for your listeners, you know, familiar with uh, Charleston, uh, it's a parking lot now. I mean, so there's really nothing to see. There's vehicles in there. Um, but I will tell you, like, that is, if I were to have a grand finale of the tour, and it's fairly at the beginning, um, it, this would be it. Because I think only four times did I not get one thing that came out of this particular uh, location. But the history of it is that Eliza Pinkney was the first botanist experimentalist that brought indigo uh, to its height here in Charleston. Um, obviously, the Pinckney family is pretty, you know, prominent here in Charleston. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, pol politicians and, you know, throughout the family. Uh, but I like to focus on some, like, odd facts about Eliza. So when I give my guests questions, I don't do the suggestive questioning. You know, they don't know the odd facts. I give them the history of Indigo and how she got it started, you know, based on her garden that was started at that location. But I give them weird facts like... Um, Eliza was the second wife from Charles named Eliza back to back. Try to find out what her maiden name was. Ask your spirit boxes um, and see if we can get specific answers. Um, there was a, a specific president that was a pallbearer at her funeral. Um, try to find out who the president was. So again, what I'm trying to do with these folks is, you know, not just prove the paranormal, but give them literal answers. Of course, I don't leave them hanging. So before we leave the site, <laughs> right. um, I kind of give them the answers, but I, I let them go through and tell me, what did you get on your, you know, digital spirit box word list? What did you get on the thermal imaging camera? You know, I let them kind of tell and they're, it's interactive. Like they, they really get involved with it. Oh, I heard the word fire. Did the mansion catch fire? Yes, it did. Um, that was in 1861. Did anybody hear the number 61? You know, it's kind of like giving them those extra clues of like, well, I heard a one, but I'm like, that could refer to the president because it was George Washington who was the pallbearer. You know, and showing them like this is like legitimate evidence that they didn't know that they were collecting. Yeah, that's really cool. That is a different concept than what's usually out there. Yeah, exactly. So is your tour a walking tour or is it a uh, like a bus tour? How do you do that? Uh, it's, it's walking. Um, and okay. what's odd is it's anywhere between 90 to 120 minutes, depending on how much activity we get. Um, usually the Pinkney Mansion site will kind of dictate how long we're going to be out in the field. Um, but it is literally maybe 0.6 miles. Like that's it because we spend wow. 10 to 15 minutes in specific locations. So it's not like, here's the story, let's move on. Here's another story, let's move on. It's like, here's the story, here's some odd questions you can ask and hopefully get answers. If you have other you know, questions that you're asking, make sure it's something I can prove. Don't ask about Eliza's feelings because I can't prove that she was happy or sad. Right. You know? You know, ask how old she was when she got married. That's a specific number. See if you get that specific number. Um, but again, it, it's it's not a far walking tour. So my age groups that I see, like I have a five-year-old coming tomorrow night and he is stoked. His mom has been <laughs> in contact with me and he can't wait. And again, I don't make this a jump scary tour. It's more scientific. It's more about learning the history and getting involved and in part of the story. Eliza told me how old she was when she got married. You know, that's a big difference other than, oh, our tour guide, I don't remember his name, told me, you know, how old you know, Eliza was when she got married. It's a big difference when you hear from the spirit themselves. Like, it's very interactive. You know, it's funny because we can't wait to come down there, obviously. And, you know, we're going to we're going to get a double shot when we're going to come down there and, and visit your tour. 
and uh, have some fun with that. And the next night we're going on another friend, Mike Brown's tour down there. And you guys have uh, know each other and you've been on Mike's show before. How did how did the relationship there between you and Mike Brown from Pleasing Terrors come to be? I wouldn't expect there to be a natural relationship between rival companies doing the same thing. But knowing Mike the way I do, it doesn't surprise me. Well, I'll tell you that I wasn't specifically on the show like what I'm, I'm doing here with you. Um, he called me uh, to interview me about an investigation that I did, and it was a location he was covering the history of on his podcast, Cajun Terrors. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, he, he just offered to, you know, give kudos to my tours and my, my podcast. It's like, all right, cool. You know, and we, we just kind of chatted. And of course, I picked his brain. Uh, he's been doing this a long time. And I'm like, you know, these locations I'm going to, have you ever heard anybody going to them? Um, but it, going back to why I was on the show, um, my own investigations are on my podcast called Stories in the Cemetery, same name as the tour. Um, and he got wind of the old Provost and Exchange uh, in downtown Charleston. And, you know, here, here's what I'll tell you about when I do my investigations. Is I told you I have all these devices that record, but I'm not walking around asking the docents and the people that work at these locations, tell me ghost stories and tell me what you've heard. And I'll, I'll let you know if I get an EMF. You know, I have a spirit box that will record radio sweeps on mute. So it's in my pocket. The EMF meters in my other pocket. The thermal imaging camera is on my chest with just the camera hanging out. So nobody knows I'm almost like doing a GoPro. Um, so when I did that investigation um, at the uh, old exchange in Provost Dungeon, you know, I actually had a lot of things came up that he was interested in that were going to be able to tie into his story. So he wanted to interview me more about, you know, how I went about going through the investigation, the terms that came up. Um, my name showed up at that specific uh, location. So, and it was, it was just Nick. So it wasn't Nicholas or anything formal. It was Nick, almost like a hello. And it was as soon as I walked in. Um, so it was, it was a, the relationship built just on the fact that he has a private company. I have a private company and we're just here to boost each other up. I had a guest call me yesterday. Um, and I don't, I'm sorry, it was two days ago and they, you know, I don't work on specific days on just on Mondays. And I was like, I'm sorry, but that's, that's my one day off, but you might want to check out Mike Brown on pleasing terrors. He's an excellent storyteller. So hopefully that, that, that guest uh, called him and was able to, I mean, it's the same thing. I've gotten referrals from him as well. And we've seen each other passing by, you know, <laughs> we've never met physically, but it was a quick, you know, fist bump, like, Hey man, because he recognizes the shirt. He's like, I was like, Hey, it's nice to finally see you. Um, Because we've only chatted on the phone. But yeah, he did feature me on his episode, uh, Last Breath, which was, it was an honor, just like it is to be an honor here. This is really cool. So let's get into the podcast a little bit. Did you start to podcast before or after the tours? Or was it pretty much simultaneously? Actually, I started the podcast as almost a hobby. Um, I had a regular job and, you know, I was ghost hunting and uh, this whole I guess paranormal investigation piece for me started, um, I had an idea to write a book about a psychic's ability. And I didn't have any tools or anything. And this is, I lived in Myrtle Beach. This was almost a decade ago. And I was gonna write this book. And then, you know, that whole stigma of haunted and psychic and that, and some people were just weren't letting us in. So the project got put on hold. Um, And then I was, we moved and I was going through some of my paperwork and I found all these stories all typed out in a manila envelope. I'm like, you know what? I should put this in a blog. And, and that's exactly what I did. I did them individual blogs and it started to pick up a little bit. 
Um, and then my wife suggested that I actually tell the stories through a podcast. And we came up with the name Stories in a Cemetery. She designed the logo. And then as far as it tying into the tours, I mean, here we are. Um, I don't know how many years later I've been doing a podcast, but it was kind of like, let's just stick with the same name. And I mean, we're basically doing the exact same thing, you know, and the logo actually brings people in. So it's got that ectoplasm green in there and the, <laughs> the cemetery letters. Um, so it works and, and it's just been kind of the brand. So when I decided to leave a day job and do this full time, it was kind of like I haven't you know exactly been consistent because I've been so busy with tours, especially during the winter. I do two tours a night at seven and nine. So when I have to go through the data the next morning, that's a lot of time I got to take to be able to piece all that together. So um, unfortunately, I have four files sitting in my computer of investigations for new episodes. I just haven't had time to go through the data and to make sure like it matches up with its actual history. I'm excited to do Fort Sumter that all those files are sitting right in my, my computer. I just haven't had time to go through them. So the podcast, do you delve into places outside of Charleston or, or do you kind of Correct. stick with what you do to tours? So it was um, definitely outside of Charleston where it started, which was in the Myrtle beach area. Um, and then a couple of, you know, family trips, I took my gear. Um, so I have a few files from Gettysburg. Um, uh, there was a couple, I did a day trip down in Beaufort, South Carolina. So uh, there, there's a couple of things outside of Charleston. I just didn't want it to be all Charleston all the time. Uh, but of course the locations that I take people on my tour, like they're definitely in there. Beaufort, South Carolina is, I'm trying to think by memory, is that where the reptilian creature was seen? Was that, was that in Beaufort? You know what I'm Not talking about? Mine. Not to my knowledge, I don't know anything about. That. I went down there specifically for the uh, old Sheldon Church ruins. Mm. But there's a famous story that happened. I want to say late '90s, but there was a 16, 17 year old kid that was driving his car, and this uh, and this happened definitely in South Carolina. I just can't remember the the city, but this lizard type creature. You know, you think dog man or Bigfoot, but this was like a giant lizard that jumped on his car and put some scratches on his car and a couple other people had seen him during that time. But it was a couple of week period where a bunch of people had, you know, tires punctured and, and big rips in the side of their metal that looked like they were from claws. And it's all from this cryptid that was uh, some type of a lizard man. So yeah, it's a pretty cool story if you haven't heard it. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to dive into that. And of course you have friends of other podcasts that cover a lot of cryptids um, so yeah, I'll, I'll see if they've covered that already. They may have, and I just, I just kind of maybe have missed it, but yeah, I, I usually go after, uh, locations and, and obviously long history versus cryptids. Cryptids usually aren't my thing because that kind of adds into the whole scariness, the, of, you know, that I'm trying to stay away from that stigma. <laughs> right. like, let's, let's have some fun. Um, you know, and that's, cryptids are cool. Don't get me wrong. It's just not what I study, unfortunately. So tell me about your books. Uh, how many books do you have out? Where can people get them? And uh, what, are the, what are the basis of the books? So I have seven titles, uh, three novels, and I have a novelette series. Those are just short little, like 50 to 65 page, um, you know, little novelettes. Uh, base of, of all my work so far has been fiction uh, based on the afterlife. So I have a, a small series that covers Greek mythology's underworld and kind of adds that into a fiction world. Um, my latest book, which I used my pen name of Nick Knight, is uh, called Byron, and that is about a little dappled dachshund um, that gives his owner the ability to astral project into the afterlife because he has suicidal tendencies, and he has to learn that life lesson 
um, of not being able, like wanting to commit suicide. So he gets a piece of what he's been after his whole life to see the afterlife. Um, I'm working on a title right now um, to finish up my master's degree program where I take Atlantis and that is part of the afterlife as far as heaven, hell, purgatory, and then after Atlantis is the protection realm that protects all of the other realms from us finding out about the truth behind the afterlife. Um, so that'll be out later this year under my pen name, Nick Knight. Uh, and you can find all my books on Amazon. Um, but you can always go to, you know, my website stories in cemetery.com and, and read more about each of those titles. Fantastic. If I was to, you know, force you to tell me your favorite location in Charleston, do you have one? I think I have a favorite story more so than I do a favorite location. That's fair um, enough. So one of my favorite stories, of course, being the writer that I am, uh, is wrapped around Edgar Allan Poe. So the story that I know of is that the poem of Annabelle Lee is, has some truth to it and is actually tied to Charleston. So Edgar Allan Poe was uh, serving in the army on Sullivan's Island under the name Edgar Perry. And he fell in love with a young lady, of course. And the father disapproved because he, he just didn't like Edgar for whatever reason. And while Edgar was away at whatever he was doing that the army sent him to, the young lady dies. Of course, we all know that from the Annabelle Lee poem. So what the father did was he buried two headstones unmarked in the same church so that Edgar could never find where she was truly buried so he couldn't go visit her and that church is the unitarian church in downtown charleston um and mike will tell you like he goes by there and he actually has some folks that feel a little faint and dizzy whenever he takes some folks by there um i've walked through there uh with with my wife before it's a beautiful cemetery and Again, as far as cemeteries go, I usually tell my, my guests, because like, they always want to know how many cemeteries we're going to go to. And the funny thing is, is I don't usually find a whole lot of evidence in cemeteries, because if you were dead, are you going to hang out where you're buried? Probably not. You're going to go to places that you love. But we never know if why those people are feeling a little bit faint and dizzy on Mike's tours um, are because Edgar is the one walking around trying to find which headstone it might be. So... I've seen all the empty headstones and, and I can't make heads or tails of them either. So the mystery is still there. I think that's probably my favorite story. You know, it's funny. We do our little uh, uh, episodes we call shorts, which are six, seven minute stories on our Patreon episodes. And we covered one last night that, that the Unitarian Cemetery actually fit right into. Yeah, it oh, was. Nice. Uh, and I don't remember the names, but the gist of it was this goes back to 19... Oh, one, I think it was, but there was a gentleman who uh, he, they thought that he had maybe consumption, but he was also a big time cigarette smoker and his okay. wife was trying to get him to quit. The doctors were trying to get him to quit. Uh, he, like so many people back in the day, was, well, if you can't prove to me this is the problem, I'm not going to quit. Right. And she talked him into going to Baltimore to see some specialists at John Hopkins and on his way there for whatever reason he was killed in an automobile accident they kept the body for 30 days and buried the body there because they'd never heard anything back from his wife well come to find out they had sent a letter uh, back home but she on the same day 
died of a heart attack. Wow. And so she died at her home in Charleston. He was near Baltimore. He got buried there. She got buried in that church there in Charleston, Unitarian Church. And they'd say that she just like floats around that cemetery all the time because mm-hmm. she's basically looking for her husband and her double plot that he was never going to be buried in. And one of the stories was a gentleman that was, uh, they call her the lady in white there. And one of the stories was the, the gen- this gentleman was walking through there. He had an antique shop that was behind the cemetery. And as he was walking through the cemetery, he was getting ready to uh, light up a cigarette and he saw the lady in white and he just starts following and following her. And then eventually she disappears. And when he looks down, he's at a, uh, a grave plot from a friend of his that had passed away from smoking in bed and the bed caught on fire and he died in the fire. And he felt like that this was her way of saying, you need to quit smoking. And he said he threw the cigarette away. And that had, that was 14 years earlier at the time he wrote this and said that he wow. had never smoked since then because he felt like she, I guess, has this affirmation about smoking. And, and she basically led him to that cemetery plot based on wow. that. So I thought it was a cool story. Yeah, that, that's a lot of you know not so much coincidental things like a lot of it wraps around smoking and heart attacks like that those are like great clues to tie together like that's the kind of stuff i live for i don't think i've ever like dove into that particular story but i'm definitely gonna look at it now especially because the unitarian church is one of the locations i want to add um within the next six months or so so that way i can you know versatize the you know the the tour itself yeah that's cool yeah i'll send you the 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 people's names that'll help you research it a little bit and, and and get you going on that Nick, it's been awesome. Brother, I appreciate it. I know it took a while for us to get this thing set up. This is like, <laughs> this is like our 17th attempt at actually making this happen. But uh, I think it's been fun. I can't wait to meet you down there. I hope you have continued success with the tours, with the books, uh, with the podcast. And hopefully we'll get you a bunch of new listeners on the podcast and, and uh, yeah. get you some tours as they go down there. It's uh, It sounds like a blast. I know we can't wait. Uh, September can't get here quick enough for us. And, uh, and we're excited. Tell everybody one more time before we get off how they can find out everything about your tours, books, uh, what have you. Everything that I work on as far as ghost hunting can be found on storiesinthecemetery.com. And of course, that's the name of the tour. You can simply Google it. But going to the website is probably the best way. The podcast link, it's on everything, every uh, podcatcher you can think of. Uh, but all of those episodes are also posted on my website, storiesinacemetery.com. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much. It was a blast. Yeah, man. This was really cool. Thanks. He is so much fun. I can't wait to do that tour. <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be interesting for sure. Hey, guys. We're back after the interview with Jerry and me. <laughs> he interviewed me for, obviously, my tours. So thank you for listening. If you missed that episode from Hillbilly Horror Stories, I highly recommend you check out their podcast. They have tons of episodes. They cover tons of different types of cryptids, anything paranormal, haunted locations. And Jerry and his wife, Tracy, are hilarious to listen to as well. They are very funny. Yes, they are. Hopefully, uh, we are just as funny. What do you think? Can we top them? We're we're totally there. We got this. We got it. So, uh, guys, again, thank you so much for checking out this first introduction to Amy. I can't wait to see what we're going to bring to the table. But our first episode is going to be an investigation I did, again, with Jerry and Tracy. Without me. I know. (laughs) But with that said, History Goes Bump and Hillbilly Horror Stories invited me to investigate the St. Augustine Lighthouse. 
So Amy's going to be diving into the research for this. And if you were there at the St. Augustine Lighthouse with us, you'll be able to see all of the data collected and all of the evidence we're going to find. And all of that will, of course, be posted to the blog. But you can hear it first here on the Stories in a Cemetery podcast. So, guys, if you're super interested in hearing about all of these locations that we're going to be hitting and finding all this really cool proof of the paranormal. It's going to be epic. Always. (laughs) But... Make sure you subscribe to Stories on the Cemetery. Sto- Stories on the Cemetery. Listen to me. I'm <laughs> screwing up. In I know. What difference? <laughs> it, it makes a big difference. So April, the designer of the logo, would be very upset. She's like, it's supposed oh, to be an I, not an O. You are correct. Correct. So with that said, make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast you listen to your podcast to. So we're on Google Play, iTunes, uh, wherever you listen. So again, Spotify. Yeah, Spotify. That's another one. We're on everything. So just find us, subscribe, and we will be in your ears once a month. Thanks again, guys. Bye, (laughs) y'all. Thanks for listening to this week's Story in a Cemetery. To share a ghost story with me, head over to the Stories in a Cemetery Facebook page. Or you can go to storiesinacemetery.com to learn more about my ghost hunting tours in downtown Charleston, my fiction work, and all of my investigations. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcatcher and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>